Hey everybody, we're back as we're recording this. It's the end of 2021. We're past Christmas. We're just about into the new year. And to wrap it up, this winter of my discontent, I have COVID, Clay. Uh, this is going to be the, the first <laughs> podcast where a host <laughs> has COVID on air. And it's uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's coming out six weeks from now. So uh, if I'm still talking on the Discord, no need to worry about me. I'll be fine. But here we are. What a way to wrap up 2021. You have just been, you've been catching everything. I'm at that the past point. past month or so. It's just. I can't, I can't judge. I'm at that point now where if you were the person constantly getting sick, I'd be sitting here going, what the fuck is wrong with Clay? Like, <laughs> wash your hands, <laughs> do something. What is wrong with this guy? Why is he so sick? So I'm, I'm in that spot of, I've been sick an annoying amount of time for other people, not just for myself. Everyone else is like, why are you sick all the time? So it is what it is. Yeah. Dirty kids with their fingers. I have been, uh, I've been dancing, dancing through the rain, the COVID raindrops over here. So knock on as much wood as you can find around you. But I, that I managed to not get it. The USS Omicron is coming for us all, and it's going to launch from <laughs> Mars. <laughs> so get, get your ass to Mars. We're going to be talking about demons today, which is. Am I all the way at the bottom? There we go. The twentieth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise came out on May sixth. 2005 arc is it one possible you're just sad it's the congestion is just tear-based crying it could be because we're almost done with this show it could be i always feel like ending these series is like moving from a house where i feel like unnecessarily sad about leaving the places that i'm in going somewhere else but in in three days i'm not going to feel anything about it so we'll see how it goes for, for this one anyway <laughs> this came out of may 6 well usually Usually that's that feeling is kind of uh, dissipated because the new place is so much better than the old right. place. Yeah. This I one, don't know if we're going to have that one necessarily, but Yeah, what is this? We're moving from we're moving from our one bedroom apartment to a one bedroom apartment that's on the top floor maybe. That's the difference. Like there's no okay. one above us running around in this new place. It's a slight improvement, I think. But we'll see. Mm-hmm, we have time. Mm-hmm. Talk about Voyager people. This is Terra Prime, one of two in that arc. Section 31 in the 22nd century, it's three of four. It looks like they're coming back next episode. Xenophobic Humans <laughs> arc, two of three. <laughs> Written by Manny Cotto, directed by LeVar Burton, in Universe Date, January 19th, 2155. I assume Xenophobic Humans arc part one was that one where Flock said that guy at the bar who yelled at him was like, we don't need your aliens oh, yeah. around here. That's a really specific uh, granular level of arcing. That's a stretch to call that part of an arc, yeah. In this episode called Demons, a xenophobic faction of humanity threatens to undermine talks to form a new coalition of planets. Part one of two. Robocop's in this one. Actually, you know, he is. I guess it's a. I I guess technically, since they are tying this stuff back to like the Zindi invasion, you could make the argument that? that. when did that happen? I don't remember uh, why why Flocks was on Earth. Uh, was that the episode where they I got attacked and, and Trip went down and saw the hole that got hit in Florida and Flocks was on Earth for some reason at the same time? Maybe. I know it was him and Reed were at a bar. Mayweather, too. How Mayweather. dare you forget about um, that? Yeah, well. But yeah, I, I, it, must, it, it had to have been post- post Zindi attack. I think, I think it was, yeah. So if sense. if that's the case, I guess it makes sense to... I don't know if I would go so far as to call it as an arc so much, but I get the, I, it makes sense to connect them. Well, wait till that guy comes out to be the big bad in the next episode, where it's the guy from the bar, yes. and he's this, he's Peter yes. Weller's boss. And you're like, holy shit. Yep. People go everywhere. Yeah, Robocop's in this one. Peter Weller. I've got his name right. It's Peter Weller, correct? Yeah, yeah. He has a... Uh, apparently, he must have it written into his contract that... If he's going to be in Star Trek, he must be the architect of a gigantic secret ship. Yeah. That is only revealed in the third act. <laughs> Playing a very uh, Ronnie Cox from Total Recall role, I feel like. Same character with a different actor. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would have liked to have seen Peter Weller as Ronnie Cox. I don't think he'd be as effective in that role, but I think that it's, it's a switch that I would like. I'd like to see Ronnie Cox in this role, too. I think that would, that would work. Yeah. You know, you know I, I, I was at my parents over Christmas, and we watched um, uh, the Lucy and Desi Ricardo movie yep. with uh, Nicole Kidman. Ronnie Cox is in that. I oh, assumed he was dead. 
Yeah, he plays a small role, but he's—I mean, it's—he has—he's he, in it for a decent amount. But mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see him. I assumed he was either dead or retired. It was—it was—I was happy to see him. Now he's doing his his art house projects. Now he's doing the stuff that he always wanted to yeah. do. And Star Trek was just a stepping stone <laughs> towards it. Uh, Peter Weller been, a little bit he's been looking to do he that is in Into Darkness as the evil admiral yeah. in that one. So this is yeah. a little bit of mm-hmm. a this is a little bit of a Deadwood. Season one and two with that actor that I can't remember the name of who plays two different characters and people think who the hell is could this? you could you imagine <clears throat> if you were Peter Weller or anybody for that matter and you're about to be signed the contract to star in the sequel to the one of the biggest franchise reboots of the last ten years and then someone comes up to you they call you and go Peter I'm, we're so sorry this isn't going to work you were in an episode of Enterprise ten years ago. And it, big mistake. Was actually, less than that, like five years ago. <laughs> and it's just we the continuity is just too important to, for us to to really shatter like that. So we're sorry. We're going to have to go with uh, Ronnie Cox, somebody else. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie Cox. <laughs> Damn who also Cox. he can't be in it either. He can't be in that's, it either because he was He'd in TNG. <laughs> that's true. Well, hopefully Peter Well would remember that when his agent came to him and told him that bad news. They it can't be Ronnie Cox. Anyone mm-hmm. with that. Uh, <laughs> this is it to, to wrap up our this is our final episode of Star Trek that's di- directed by LeVar Burton so that's a little bit of history too what's oh, going wow. on anyway okay. let's get into this one so demons we're at the very end of Star Trek Enterprise because the finale is kind of a different kettle of fish here so this two-parter sure is can kind of be seen as the true finale of the show in a lot of ways mm-hmm. which I think is appropriate because in my opinion demons is extremely indicative of what Enterprise is. So it's it's kind of a fascinating <laughs> way that where they where they brought this to by the end of it. Demons is a good example of Enterprise being Enterprise for all of its good and bad in that way, I think. And mm-hmm. I think that the the most interesting thing about this is imagine if Demons had been a season arc in season 1. Right, yeah. like, isn't this, isn't this a better place to launch from for for better oh, yeah. or worse? Like, I, hundred percent. I'll stop it there. Uh, if you want to take a take a stab at however you want to approach this, but I think I, I was I'm interested that the series ends where I'm like, well, they should have just started at this point. This is this is kind of where the series needed to be because it's a much better it's a much better arc to build a series around than the temporal cold war stuff. This feels like yeah. where Earth yeah. would be at this point. And I think that the problems I'm going to have with demons are that it's probably too small of an episode count to really effectively convey what they're trying to do here. But this would be much better over a season or multiple seasons if this was an antagonistic force against Archer. Yeah, the thing, the thing that's so fascinating about this and this season in general is they keep taking these steps into this more political in, intrigue storytelling like this feels kind of of a piece with the Vulcan arc to a certain extent or at least the first half of the Vulcan arc that starts with the admiral being assassinated and you know all that kind of during the ambassador meeting or whatever it is um, <clears throat> and I like I like that for this show actually like I, I thought the the political stuff of this episode I found very interesting, and I, I like you're saying I wish this they had leaned into this stuff more. I think you could have done. Let's say you don't start with this. I think they could have, especially if they get into season four and they're like, eh, this is probably it for us. Do the whole season about this stuff, yeah? Because I think you it, it lets you really get into a lot of, um you know, seeds you've planted over the past three years and kind of extrapolate stuff out. Like, I mean, I, I was really interested in the, uh, the on the ground reaction to aliens hanging out on earth because of, uh, since what happened with the Zindi attack, like that stuff. I mean, you know, maybe it feels like low hanging fruit to some people, but I found it to be pretty interesting because it's not the kind of stuff you usually get from a Star Trek show, at least not in any, you usually get it for like an episode, Yeah, but they've kind of been, planting those seeds that there is a lot of division happening among the people of earth in their uh attitude toward aliens and even the other aliens in their attitude towards the people of earth yeah um and so it it's it's too bad that they didn't 
go down this route sooner and more um uh they they didn't assert themselves more when it came to doing this stuff because it is kind of the promise of the series right yeah where you've got this prequel thing and ultimately it's a birth if from you darkness. want to if yeah, yeah yeah and the the ultimate endpoint for this prequel series no matter how many seasons it goes on is going to be the formation of the federation right yeah so i'm surprised that they just didn't lean into that more and make this especially coming off of the zindi stuff where you've killed seven million people on earth and there's this trepidatious relationship with aliens in general not to mention the ones who are on earth and and becoming uh uh allies and all that kind of stuff especially the ones that sound like tom bergeron um <laughs> you've uh you've got this really interesting stuff to play with that i think could have made for a, for a great final season to really get into the 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 nitty-gritty of 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 this stuff but yeah you've you're kind of they kind of do it here and there in this episode while interesting from that standpoint i think is is kind of mired in some some other fairly enterprisey stuff like you were saying see i guess i would i guess i would disagree uh with the season four thing and say that i think this has to be a season one plot line because when you think about how this was set up right this is right after first contact basically like cochran is still alive at the time of the launching of the enterprise like there hasn't mm-hmm. been that much time and the first contact movie was right after World War Three or something. There's some global catastrophe sure. that had happened. Sure. So my problem in it, like it happens in this episode, is that what this does is it has this enterprise problem that Enterprise always had where I think Archer's talking to that Samuels guy or something, the guy who's sort of leading this conference. He's um, And the, the Samuels guy says that the, Earth the is... The mayor? Re- What's that? The mayor, he's the mayor, yeah, the from mayor of season the Federation. three, Buffy the yeah, Vampire Slayer. He's um, he's saying that Earth has regressed into xenophobia because of the Zindi attack. I think that mm-hmm. all of this stuff has to be present at the start of the series because what the ship and sure, what the Federation be, yeah. is supposed to represent is like getting out of this dark period of Earth's history with the eugenics wars and then World War Three, and it's like we're trying to rebuild and we're trying to do things. And we've always been complaining mm-hmm. Enterprise never really felt like it was not a Star Trek series where the cast already embodies all these Star Trek values. They never had to earn this stuff. And I feel like, I think the guy's name is Paxton, the Weller character. Paxton feels like a kind of faction that could exist on Earth early in the series' history. Where it's like, we don't really want to go into space yet. We always had these ideas about like, maybe the military would be less optimistic about going into space. But I think you need something like this to do that. And I think that the show never wanted to play with this idea that what kind of difficulties would the crew and the Federation and Starfleet have when Earth is in such a bad place to start with. And you know, being a prequel, that it has to have a happy ending, which is kind of neat. You know that they have to become something better than what it is. So it's not like it's a Star Trek series that could be stuck in this sort of like mire of like the Terra Prime organization or whatever. They will beat them at Mm -hmm. some point. I just I think that in all the ways that like the temporal cold war failed, this is actually like real drama stuff that you can actually right. There's a right. way to actually have real human emotions before we evolve into the TNG Picard era where people are like, well, I always do the right thing. God damn it, I never do a single thing wrong. This was a chance to have you could have Terra Prime sympathizers on the crew, sort of. There's like a kind of like conflict yeah, about yeah. what's going on. You could have Mayweather have something to do in that regard because I like the fact that all of this guy's lieutenants are black so that they're, they're not making it some sort of uh, racist thing. They're like, well, all the black people don't like uh, the aliens either. There's, there's nothing else going on. So Mayweather I, could have been that I, character. I found that, to be, I found that to be an interesting choice. Yeah, they, they definitely. <laughs> also, it's, uh, it's the guy from Jason X. Which we did on Patreon. It is, yes, yeah, that is guy. the guy from Jason X. He's in it. Back uh, cornered cornered the market of uh, semi militaristic space guys. Yes, yeah. angry in the, black in the space early marine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he's not that angry in this one. He's pretty. He's pretty accommodating. But you know what I mean. Like I, I feel that this is this is the stuff that powers the series early on. It's the backdrop to while sure. they're going on space adventures. There's this stuff in the background that's causing problems for Archer 
in a character political way that is not their adventures of the week where they're dealing with getting you know drugged by space pawn on a planet it's the stuff that's actually grounding the series while you're sprinkling the star trek stuff on top of it sure yeah and i you know i wonder if i wonder if one of the reasons maybe they didn't do that is because it it might be too similar to like the maquis kind of stuff from deep space nine but it wouldn't matter to me i i never really you know the maquis stuff never really landed with me as as much as it does some other people um so i think i think you've got especially because the maquis is it's a little bit harder to to tap to tap into as a as a viewer you know there's a lot of other political leanings you got to understand in order for that stuff to really work for you whereas this is pretty pretty boilerplate as far as understanding that there is uh trepidation and prejudice at the beginning of this quest to for this utopian future that has to be dealt with and uh and uh is tends to be as hidden as it is out in the open um so yeah i think it's i think it's too bad that they waited i guess my point wasn't that it 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 should be a later thing i think it works either way i i i i was saying more like if you if they were going to do this in season four i wish they had gone all the way with it and just said okay that's what season four is going to be right like this is going to be the undercurrent of the whole season because we're right at the brink here where we're starting to do this federation thing let's get into it let's like let's really go for it instead of just sort of sprinkling it here and there among among other stories yeah yeah i get that and it does i think post the zindi attack it does have a kind of context to it where you can understand it i just i think that it's again it's that framing thing where he says that the guy says that earth is regressed to xenophobia i think that the setup of this is that earth is there at the start like there's no regression Mm -hmm. really this is a kind of thing that's happened right the whole time um and and i think that also that also could theoretically set up an interesting standpoint where there are people who think that earth has regressed and other people who are like nah man this is what it's always been yeah what you what the your understanding of things is not how it is and i think that's a really interesting especially in star trek especially at the time uh, uh the period in history where this show is airing that's a really interesting take and an interesting way to look at things where it's like star trek is this utopian th- understanding of of everybody being equal and all this kind of stuff and you're doing this show in the middle of of a huge uptick of of racial violence because of 9-11 and all this kind of other stuff and this all this xenophobia is on everybody's minds so to to tap into that directly as using that as a contrast to the utopian ideal of star trek i think is a is a unfortunately missed opportunity that would have been uh really had a lot of potential baked into it yeah Yep. Here's my here's my problem with this episode, the way that it's set up here. Um You never find out what happens to the baby and it's a plot line they drop about yeah. halfway through the episode. <laughs> I'm sure the baby will be back, I would have to assume. The baby oh, was so, I'm sure it will. baby was yeah. so cute. It has to come back. Um <laughs> My my problem here is that this is a two parter, right? And I think that this idea in a competent show running series where you know, you say this is happening alongside uh, 9-11, which it obviously was post 9-11. This is also <clears throat> the era of HBO's peak TV, which we've talked about before. And I don't think Star Trek mm-hmm. needs to try to be that kind of a television show. But you have shows like Sopranos, you have Deadwood, you have The Wire, all in the middle of their runs at the time that Enterprise was doing this. And mm-hmm. all of those series really take time to look at things like that's one of the defining traits is that they're they're very introspective and they're very thoughtful about what they're doing the problem with doing this as a two-parter is that you're so limited with time my takeaway from watching it was i understand why conservatives feel that they have a bias against them in media while watching this (laughs) right like what they have to do is they have to take an extremely possibly complicated situation, right? They have to they have to come up with mm-hmm. a situation that is going to have numerous facets going into it. And the the way that they distill it 
is this guy goes, we don't want alien blood in our pure human bloodlines, right? Like, so the, the simplification mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what they have to do is that the only thing that Peter Weller is cares about is a kind of like xenophobic racism. He has no ulterior, sure. he has no, sure. he has no intelligent take on why he thinks that, or, or, that earth should remain to earth or, or humans or anything like that. So what you end up with is this yeah. like, this really smashing of, it's a Star Trek value but it's almost taken for granted that the only reason that someone like Peter Weller would exist is because he has to be a massive racist. And it, it, it's kind of like how looking sure. at the Trump era and saying the only reason Trump won the elections is because a lot of racists exist. It's like, no, there's, there's tons of reasons why people voted for Trump. Like racists are certainly out there and they are some of the people who vote for Trump and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the simplification of it is kind of disappointing where I think if it was a season long thing, you can really get into what these characters believe. Like, what is the point of Terra Prime, really? Like, where is this all coming from? Because sure. yeah. I think you could easily play up, like, the Mirror Universe thing. They were afraid of the Vulcans being a military force that was taking them over. There's a fear of, like, what do these Vulcans really want? And they don't have time to get into it. All that Weller can do is just go watch some parodies of, like, Hitler videos and go, like, oh, yes, <laughs> like, once again, our blood will be pure. And you go, That's is, this is an extreme simplification of something, I think. That's my problem with it. Yeah, and and they they hook that onto. I'm gonna I'm gonna fly to Mars and steal a Death Star weapon. Yeah, I have a whole uh, bunch of problems uh, with that and, too. We can we can talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> but do you, do you, do you agree? Which that, I like, can use to shoot any planet in the solar system. I guess. Well, it's too bad sure. they didn't use it to shoot the Zindi probe. Would have saved a lot of lives. I yeah. Think. <laughs> <laughs> but also, great bef- point. Great before point. we get into that, so maybe that's a good feeder. My big problem with the ending, and then you can go off on Terra Prime, but so the ending here really confuses me because it goes to mm-hmm. show how little Terra Prime means anything. Are they threatening the thing that they say is the prime thing by saying we're gonna shoot Earth with this laser unless aliens leave? Where's the sense where's the sense here? Like they if they're if their statement is yeah. Terra Prime forever, they can't threaten Earth. This is ignoring all the logistics of like, why doesn't the Enterprise just shoot it with a photon torpedo? Or like, why is no one guarding this huge mega laser on Mars and stuff like that? But really, the right, thing that right. confused me is Terra Prime has nothing beyond racism. So their slogan is this hollow thing. But for them to be an entity or an organization that actually means something, they have to live up to that Terra Prime thing. Earth is like vital to them. They're not going to shoot a laser at Earth, you know? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. I, my and this is probably not in the text i think i might have just been glomming this on in my brain because of what you're saying for some reason my thought was they're shooting it they're gonna shoot earth because they're gonna go to mars like that's the oh they're gonna leave no then why not say call it why not call it mars prime or something like it's it's terrible it's earth yeah 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 that's so like i was like yeah that doesn't really make any sense but no you're right they are um, I I feel like it's kind of a little bit like The Rock in that he's holding up on space Alcatraz with some VX gas, right? And if you don't uh, give him what he wants, he's going to destroy San Francisco. But what was what was his motivation? But in he that doesn't want to do that. Obviously, uh, right. his motivation was that he just well in, in the movie it was technically, I think ultimately he was bluffing. He was he never planned to actually set the. Was it bad treatment of the military, though, or something? Was he trying to? Yeah, it was. It was because there were so many, so many soldiers that were killed in uh, black ops missions and stuff like that that were never uh, acknowledged, yep. and their families were never given what that's they were right, yeah. owed yeah. and stuff like that. And, I know. mean, see, like that. That's um, a. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. Like, you need a reason. Francis for, Hummel. You, you, <laughs> Francis Hummel would be a great <laughs> Star Trek villain. Love to see that guy in Star Trek. I think to make Weller. Or Paxton, whatever this guy is called, to make him a real character, you kind of need to stretch out his time, and he has to have something of a sympathetic understanding. There has to be something beyond just he's straight, uh, just yeah. a straight racist yeah. who's like, I don't want any aliens on this planet. There, and I think that after living through the Trump years, obviously this comes all before it. There's just a lot there. There's a lot of politics stuff mm-hmm. that can feed into that, mm-hmm. and this episode just doesn't do it. So I'm left with this guy who's kind of a a goofball guy like a goofball yeah. racist well what's 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 strange too is like again talking about when this was made like i think there's they're they're really putting all the xenophobia into one bucket here i think as you're saying 
where it's a little bit they're coming to take our jobs. It's a little bit old school. I don't want my daughter yeah, marrying, marrying a, anybody yeah. like that. It's a little bit post nine eleven uh um fear of outsiders. Uh fear yeah, fear of outsiders and, and terrorists and stuff like that. But it's all they all it when you when you do it all at once, it just come comes off as comically evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> And it's it's too bad they they weren't able to kind of take a look at things and parse it out a little bit more uh, uh, with a little bit more nuance because I think you're right I think I think having uh, having Peter Weller have a little bit more um thought isn't the right word but have his argument be a little bit more complex is a lot more interesting yeah. than just uh, you know. Something with some intellectual backing to it, as opposed to just sure, neo-Nazi sure, yeah. type stuff. Like, the, you know, I yeah. guess people would argue there's an intellectual of that, but like a, a a a reason to make him sympathetic for you as a viewer would go, well, he's he's got a few points, I suppose. Like, he's not completely just yeah. batshit crazy. Well, the other thing too is it's like you've got <laughs> it's it's tough <laughs> it's tough to 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 look at the like nuance of this or even to go well he's got a point the second he points a a gigantic world destroying laser at the earth right yeah you know what i mean it's like it's not like it's not like deep into a, a, a james bond movie you're going you know what blofeld actually has a point maybe this moonraker thing is <laughs> he's doing the right thing i know right. blofeld isn't in moonraker i don't think anyway but but you get my point right where it's like you're, you're kind of taking that off the table as soon as they have a world ending weapon Yes. Um, pointed at at the earth that they claim they're like you said they're cl- they're claiming to want to preserve and save yeah um so like it's it's almost it's he's actually not really correct me if i'm wrong but he's not really that dissimilar from the character he plays in into darkness is he he's kind of he's the into darkness character i think is a little bit more nuanced but kind of doing the same thing is he not where he's i don't remember his- he's all about i think because he's all about beefing up he wants to beef up uh, Star, you know, like the military aspect yeah, of Starfleet, right? Yeah. Right, and so he's using Khan to kind of like cause a false flag operation yeah, yeah. to happen to justify the creation of the, the Section Thirty One and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he's kind of a more interesting version of the same character, uh, which ultimately ends up being not really interesting in that movie either. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's. It's too bad that they didn't. I mean, but think about it this way though, West. You give more time and nuance to that story, and which one? Sorry, baby, we don't get to hear you. You, you give time more time and nuance to to uh, the xenophobia angle, and you know we do not get to see the ins and outs of Travis Mayweather's long lost love. <laughs> Is this the shuttle that you penetrated the Zindi sphere with? <laughs> It was a, it was an interesting choice of words. I did notice that as well. Yes. Listen, Travis has so much sex in this one. When he's back in the bed, he's like, "Wow, it's nice to be back in a bed. We've been having so much sex yep. in the shuttlecraft. It's, it's this, nice to go back to missionary this, position every this, once in a while." Was this storyline an apology to him? Yes. Same with Hoshi. to the actor for four. Yeah. Is it? Was it really? Well, I mean, the the Hoshi. I see no other way to like. That's why Hoshi wins at the end of In a Mirror Darkly, and that's why Travis has this oh, sure. incredibly obvious that he's being played by this reporter woman who's come in and seems to have no reason until they reveal that Archer's discovered she's a spy. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it ha- it, like he's he's got more lines in this than he had in the entirety of last season. I think he doesn't it's, say anything. It's, he doesn't. It he has lines, be, but he doesn't say yeah. anything whatsoever. It's it's the most yeah. uh, usually in modern shows someone gets an episode like this they die at the end of it that's yeah, how it works now you should kill him it, it's it's funny it, it was the most soap opera e scenes i think i've ever seen on this show from the way that, that now it's shot on digital video to the way that, that they're both kind of mediocre actors who are saying kind of mm-hmm. silly shit to each other and it's, it's just like the cutting is just back and forth as they're talking to each other until they're having sex uh in the shuttlecraft and then the bunk or we whatever. both made a decision back then did we did or we? did you make a decision about the both of us and decide by yourself that we both decided <laughs> that's true travis just that, that's a that's just a uh, a gift to Anthony Montgomery, I think. That that, pl- that plot takes yeah. up a tremendous amount of airtime here, and it doesn't really account to much at all. Um, 
the other the other plot is tripping to Paul with their baby. Um, My, is, I just, spent go ahead. I spent a lot of time of this episode thinking about how on earth Trip was like. Did she get pregnant? And I didn't know. Yeah, I was like, just you guys worked. I mean, you got to like you got to extrapolate out. It's like okay, maybe she got pregnant. I guess they they eventually voiced that concern when she's when he's like maybe you got pregnant i didn't know and she's like and then what i removed the embryo and put it into cold storage somewhere off the ship mm-hmm. one time when we came back for a shore leave and you didn't see me for it, it's it's but it was such a strange angle to be like maybe she actually had a kid yeah. and he didn't know about it it was when, it was when he was on the uh columbia for those two episodes that's when yeah, she was those two episodes, pregnant yes. and had the baby and everything like that i the trip into Paul thing, this is just a mess at this point, right? Yeah. There's no saving yeah. this relationship. I don't even know what they're going to do, unless, really. Unless this baby turns out to be, they have to send her to the future, and eventually he comes back as Cable. I think this is going to be <laughs> a, 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 pretty messy, because you're, you're, you're entering X-Men level of, of soap opera relationship here with with, Hoshi, with uh, a trip into Paul. Like John luc Picard? No. Professor Xavier. It's like, okay, well, let's just, just get it done. So a couple problems here. T'Pol has a scene where Tripp's like, I can't believe you got pregnant and we had a baby. And then she goes, I know it's our baby. And he goes, how do you know that? And she goes, I just, I just feel that this is... Again, I'm going to complain about the Vulcans here. I don't know what T'Pol is supposed to be as a character, really, where this is like a, a kind of like primal thing. I also, as a parent... Have this. I've, this always tends to happen in TV shows. Characters are told that they have a child, and their next scene is them talking as if they're holding the baby that was just born. You know, like he hasn't mm-hmm. seen this baby, and he's like, "My daddy always wanted to have a baby granddaughter," and it's like my heart fills with pride when I think about. It. It's like you haven't met her; she might not even exist. Like only right. people have only told you right. that this is a thing. I would just imagine if someone were to tell me if I didn't have a kid that I had a kid. I would be more like, you need to prove that I need to see the child. I need to see the DNA. I've, I, it always, it always seen, blows my mind. I've seen the I've seen the old files on on the Enterprise of the Maury Povich show. I know how this works. <laughs> Get some chairs up on the ten forward lounge, and we're going to talk this out. I just it, it's Get one of, Steve the bald guy up in here in case you rush the stage after the after the paternity test comes back. I understand what they're trying to do. That they're trying to make this like mixed race uh, child is kind of Paxton's ultimate plan or whatever. I don't think it makes any sense with Trip and T'Pol here. I know that they have to somehow mm-hmm. explain how this happened. Like Paxton snuck on board and he took their DNA or he stole T'Pol's eggs and he got a, a nocturnal emission from Trip or something and combined it and made this Vulcan baby. But I don't, there's no way I'm going to be like, oh, this is a well, this is a well thought out plan that he did here by the end of this. And I don't really, I don't think it adds anything to the Trip and to Paul relationship because, as I said, it's so divorced from what I consider to be like a reality-based response to what they're hearing that I don't, I don't buy mm-hmm. this really. What do you possibly think Peter Weller's plan is regarding this child? I don't know because is he developing I, a biological. Because I was weapon? trying to, I don't know. Maybe I was trying to parse that out. I was like, what does he? He doesn't want mixed bloodlines but he's coveting this half alien half human hybrid child I well, don't he always know. feels like, like he's going he to hold- not feel anything if he just kills the baby right but he's he's developing the baby so i don't he has he has this like twisted interest in it where he he he's clearly in contempt of it but it's his project that he's working on so i don't right i don't know yeah i i don't know i i mean it's so I agree with what you're saying though. It's so weird and like I said earlier, kind of drops off the map as far as the story goes about halfway through this episode because they got, you know, all this other shit they gotta get through. Yeah, they get to Mars. Um Yeah, that I don't even I can't imagine a, a resolution for this angle outside I mean, I can't imagine a resolution that I would feel good about for Trip and Paul. I doubly can't think of a resolution that I would be like, oh my God, that's so great. 
as far yeah. as the larger storyline goes. I'm not yeah. really sure because they haven't really told me. I mean, I guess I understand the significance of it that it's it's a human human alien hybrid. Yeah, they've they talked about six that seasons before. Of the X Files yeah. based on that concept. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. We'll see. I guess. Yeah, it is weirdly not all that present in it. It <clears throat> it's one of those things. It's like it's easy. It's a, using the baby in this way is a shorthand to really generate some emotion because you will feel feel something for a baby. Like if if something happens to the baby, you're like oh that's a terrible tragedy that happened. Um, in a way that like an adult you wouldn't really feel if the red shirt dies it doesn't feel the same way but I just it doesn't give Tripp and Paul a chance to really talk about anything like I can't remember now what I thought the peak of their relationship was it was a couple episodes ago uh, where they, they actually started talking to each other in a way that made sense this I don't know this this relationship just has had never it's it's a it's an enterprise problem. It's never had a guiding idea of like, what are we supposed to do with these people? Like, what's the point mm-hmm. of this? Every script just kicks it down the, the kicks the can down the road. And you end up here with Tripp and T'Pol and matching mining outfits getting shot into space. And it's like, well, what happened to the baby? What are they? Do they have any thoughts about this? I don't know. Kind of underwhelming. I also, I also think it comes at the wrong point. If you're going to do this, I feel like it comes at the wrong point in their in the story of their relationship because this feels like something that you would drop in at when they are like the furthest apart from each other. Sure, yeah. you know, because it's like they don't want anything to do with each other. We have a child. Yeah, and what? And you know, and uh, and because that then restarts your conversations about stuff and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, it's no less shocking, I guess, no matter what part of the relationship you're in, because to know that you have that both parents are unaware that there's a child out there is yeah. um, very unusual. But uh, just <clears throat> narratively, it feels like something you would drop at a different point. But clearly, they were not thinking that far ahead with this stuff. I think it's tough. It, it has like this. I guess it feels disconnected from anything to me because it's it's something the equivalent of being like a sperm donor. And then, like, Trip is essentially a sperm donor in this, but he has, it doesn't seem very realistically male to me that he has this connection with a child because he and T'Pol have not really built their relationship to a point where the baby would feel like it's the culmination of something. You know, like, I, I just feel that, like, he, he's putting sure. a lot of feelings into this child, but I don't think that the Trip and Paul relationship is at a point where you would actually feel something for the baby that he still hasn't met. You know, like, it's a... Well, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, I think it's believable. I, I think the fact that it's his and Paul's baby is what does the heavy lifting there. The difference from the sperm donor thing being like if it's his child with some person out there in space that he's never met before i can see maybe there being some disconnect but yeah since they are getting kind of back together and then this thing pops up and it is with this woman who he probably loves i think i think it makes sense to have him to have him uh uh cling to it the way that he does i guess i think that it's weird though because it goes back and forth right because it's like He's kind of clinging to this idea. He's like, man, I, I really, my, my dad always wanted to have a granddaughter. But on the other hand, he's like, what do you mean you don't know you were pregnant? You yeah. know, it's like it's kind of going both ways where it's tough for him to kind of. And that the, the what do you mean you don't know you're pregnant scene comes after the, the I always wanted to have a daughter <laughs> scene. So it's 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 kind of it's kind of <laughs> strange. I just I guess I think that for the baby to mean. Maybe this is just me digging a little bit into what is a PG-rated show, right? Where there's a, mm-hmm. I feel that there needs to be a, a a relationship that is somewhat established at this point, where the baby is something that is likely to be possible, but has not yet happened for them, right? So sure. these two yeah. feel like they are, they just kind of mutually friended each other on Facebook. You know, it's it's a strange level of their relationship because I don't think they're really right. intimate yet at this point, right? I haven't seen anything like that. So the show is asking me to put the, a lot of I, as feeling far in, as I know, as far as I know, they've only had sex the one time, the one time, right? or yeah. maybe like a couple, 
at least, or maybe let's say a couple times maybe, but regardless, it was like a season ago. Yes. And they haven't been doing that since then. No. So they're at this weird point where the show is asking me to put a lot of faith in the fact that Tripp and T'Pol love each other, but I really just haven't, I haven't seen that. It hasn't been thoroughly shown to me where their reaction that they've had a baby is kind of eye-opening to them about like this shows us a new level of our relationship about like I could picture ourselves with a baby. Sure. I don't they, they get the sense more that they're just kind of surprised by the fact that this has happened. And I don't think that's effective. I think it has to be deeper than that. Yeah. And again, also they it's just cuz they don't do anything with it here largely. It's just sort of kind of in and out of the plot and it doesn't really it factors into a lot of the episode, but they never move that story forward. It's just sort of like there is a baby. It is tripping to Paul's sit on sit with it for yeah. a while, I guess. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing moving it forward. So it's tough to really kind of care about. Is there anything else here? I guess we could probably talk a little bit more about Terra Prime because it's so important here. Um Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about the ending. I find the we can get the ending out of the way. I find the ending unbelievable in a whole bunch of ways. Um, it's one of these things where I don't understand how this rickety ass thing can get off of the moon. The Enterprise just kind of stares at it, and then it flies away and it lands yeah. on a space laser. And the Enterprise is helpless to do anything to stop it from what it's supposed to do. I don't understand yeah. why this space laser exists when it could clearly have taken care of the Zindi at that time. I don't understand why there's no one guarding this thing that can apparently shoot all the all the stuff that's in the maybe it it's from new. Mars to the moon. Yeah, I, maybe it's maybe it's new. Maybe they hadn't yeah hadn't thought about opened it. it to the public yet. Yeah, just it's unavailable. I don't know. Yeah, it feels it feels pretty random to me. Um, I don't understand why the mining yeah, everything- facility has a warp drive. Really? That doesn't seem to make much sense Great question. to me. Yeah. I don't understand why when the miners are mining, it's like they have 1965 technology and they're not beaming rocks out of the place and stuff like the guy's pushing a mine cart up and down the road and stuff like that. Well, well there was the one guy who had that like broom with a neon light at the end of it that he was going up and down the wall with uh, yeah, for some yeah, reason. But, that's true. And there was the laser the laser they were cutting rocks with honestly this is stupid but as i was watching this and i'm watching this guy cut rocks with a laser my first thought was you know what that looks like fun i bet that guy enjoys his job he doesn't look like like a a 19th century miner who hates his life you go down there you get to you know like that satisfaction of cutting something incredibly accurately with a nice sharp pair of scissors you know, you get that all day. Yeah. But you're just you know you're you're carving space coal <laughs> or whatever out of the wall with your with your laser. You do. Like I feel, but everybody else who's carting it out, they probably don't like their job. But that guy, I bet he enjoys it. Making his own personal David down in the mines, just crafting a yeah. cave, a, a cave entrance that he can actually get to. It really, you know, he considers himself an artist, and yeah. his work is his art. And if you love what you do, you know, you know, you never uh, work a day in your life. I put that video of um, that art explainer of Michelangelo's David on the Discord, I think. You know, I, I understand that that thing is a work of art. Like, clearly, you look at it, you go, oh, my God, it's like, what the hell is this? But they, they in that video, they show you how the process of what this what he did to make this thing. I don't understand mm-hmm. how you... I literally don't understand how you do that. And I also don't understand how yeah. you have the mental capacity to be like, however many years it took him to do it, he doesn't wake up every day and go... I can't fuck this up. I can't fuck this up at this point. I cannot yes. fuck this up. Every every single time I'm at a museum and I see any of those sculptures, those beautiful, beautiful sculptures, all I think about is my own art and how frequently I fuck things up. <laughs> and I'm just like, how do you do it? I don't you I have no idea. You can't screw up. No. Like if you sand if you sand down too much in the wrong area, the bicep doesn't look right and you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know how and they it, do it. And it has so much, it has so many opportunities. It has like a billion opportunities yeah. on that sculpture to do that. And none of it is wrong. It all looks correct. It's just so strange. You ever carve a, you ever carve a pumpkin and get like too <laughs> ambitious with it? Yeah. <laughs> like I, that's a hundred percent. That's what I would do is I would just like snap the thing. I would, I had this great idea, but then I just snap it because I went too fine <laughs> and not knowing how things worked. 
and it just it's just ruined now. I can't even cut the hole in the top so the stem sits in it. It always falls in. It's just like, <laughs> well, I <laughs> fucked it up, and I can't get any more marble out of this thing. Yep. Anyway, back to this. Um, final thoughts, Terra Prime and its organization, because I do think they're important. I, did, I know that we talked about them um, quite a bit. I think that it's... One funny moment is when the guy's like, I joined Terra Prime at 18. We all make mistakes, Jonathan Archer. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny, a funny sort of a, a little like aside that that guy had. I definitely, I definitely transmuted that in my brain to, yeah, I was joined some Reddit boards that I yeah. probably shouldn't have when I was, I was in college. Reading. Who didn't? Who didn't? It's just, it's just reading. Don't check my internet history. I am... Um, the one thing I do like metaphorically what I do like about them is that in a series where they had stretched this out, I do like the idea of them being miners because it's like a literal underground movement, basically like they, they're, there's mm-hmm. kind of, they're hidden on the moon away from people. Um, and I, I think that there's something interesting there that they could have done, which is like the, you know, there's the dark side of the moon imagery and stuff like that. You could spend time there. I don't really like read sort of, yeah, the moon's become a hotbed of racist activity recently. I thought that felt kind of silly. but Well, you know what I kind of like about that is is it kind of, intentionally or otherwise, it kind of mirrors uh, the fact that sometimes the people who are the loudest racists are the one who actually, ones who have the least amount of contact with the people they claim to hate. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense to have this like subset of people on the moon being like, man, I just can't stand all those aliens on Earth. It's yeah. like, dude, you're on the fucking moon. You haven't seen an alien in seven years. Yeah. No one's going to the moon. It's just mining up there. I think it just just to reiterate before we go to final thoughts, I think they missed an opportunity there to really yeah, really dig into where Earth is supposed to be at this point and like where the where people like Paxton would come from. Um this didn't have it. What did you think about Weller's performance here? I'm I'm conflicted about what I think about it. It was a Peter Weller performance. Yeah, like I I think it's it's fine. Um, I think his final I scene don't think is he the best. Was, his his final scene with yeah. him is the the best sequence that he has. Yeah, I I enjoyed the first couple scenes because he got to work with that guy from Mulholland Drive. Yep. Who sees the garbage monster behind the thing? Yep. And the single most scariest scene I've ever seen in a movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was he was fine. I, that that last sequence I thought was pretty good. I feel like he was kind of, you know, doing doing Peter Weller in neutral until saving the juice for that final scene. Yeah, yeah. I I think that his performance elevates the material a little bit. Like I think that this character yeah. really sucks with a bad actor that they had put into it. And you're oh like, yeah, go. This is, oh yeah, not yeah. really carrying. But his, um, I really didn't like the sequence where he's watching. I guess that guy's name is Colonel Green. He's supposed to be a despot who, in World War Three, he he did that thing where he killed all the irradiated humans, and it's seen as a kind of um, sure ethical conundrum, where he's seen as a butcher or something. Mm-hmm. That's apparently a TOS reference, which is interesting. Oh, uh, really? But they flesh yeah. it out here. Didn't like. I think that scene is everything that's wrong with what Terra Prime is supposed to be. Because that guy's just clearly a Hitler callback, and he's he's not even making a very like poetic speech. He's just like, we must remain pure. And it's like this is this is not very clever. And he's sitting there slumped watching it, you know. And the other guy comes in, and he's like, oh, I love this speech. This is a good YouTube clip and stuff. I that was that's right. the weakest moment for me there. Uh, the only bright side is you. You get some kind of reveal that he's injecting himself with something, which I imagine is going to come back because right. it was not brought up after that, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it's probably alien blood or something. Is it the he's baby Vul- Vul- uh, baby Vulcan blood? Is he going to live longer? Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he's, it's baby human Vulcan adrenochrome. <laughs> I guess we're done. Do you have anything else or should we go to final thoughts here? No, I think that's about it. We talked about Travis. We talked about his relationship. Was that that was probably the two sexiest people who've ever had sexy time on Star Trek? I think, right? Probably, yeah. Mayweather's the sexiest male cast member, and that woman was surprisingly sexy for being in Star Trek. Like, really, um, really, uh, like of an era, but 
no, I was not. The minute you see her come in, you're like, something's up with this lady on Star Trek. There's no, there's no <laughs> understanding that uh, what's going on here. All right, she's she's too too young and too dressed too like a mid mid two thousands uh, sci fi <laughs> television character. Also, with an incredibly easy plot, where they're like, you turned your communicator into a recording device. It's like, okay, I, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it. You know, do you think there's another do you think there's another draft of this where the Mayweather plot is actually an Archer plot? Cuz this uh, feels like 2 seasons ago this would be an Archer plot. Do you think that, that he, it improves they come from back being to an Earth. Archer plot? I don't know. No, I mean, it's still silly kind of either way, but it feels it feels like the kind of thing they would have Archer do. You like, oh, they come back to Earth, Archer meets this old flame who's a reporter yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I I mean, I guess that it would sort of make sense for Archer just because <clears throat> Archer is clearly the fo- he's supposed to be the foil to Paxton, right? Like they don't I don't think they mm-hmm. meet in this episode, but they are the two opposite ends of the spectrum of what the show is trying to do with like the racist guy and then Archer who's like fighting for the Federation, the future of the Federation. So I think that if he got played, I think it adds a little bit to it, maybe. The problem is that Mayweather's so unimportant that if he gets fucked over by this lady, I'm like, eh, who cares? You know, he'll right. get over it. Right. Not a big deal. All right. That's it. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. They both, they both made a decision, Wes, but he didn't make that decision as hard as she did. No. Now he's mad about it. <laughs> I was also doing the math in my head trying to figure out when these two people knew each other. Yeah. Because didn't Mayweather spend like half of his life on a freighter, on a freighter. or some shit? Yeah. But she said they met at Earth, right? Something like that? Maybe just so I guess relief. it must have been while he was in the Academy. Does the Academy exist yet at this point? No, I don't think so. Although he has a rank, right? He must go somewhere. I don't know. I wish the show had explained yeah. where the fuck Travis Mayweather came from. Maybe that would have made a little bit of sense. But it should have been the future. It should have been the future. It should have been the future. He should be time cop. I thought I was going to have something to say about him. Uh, oh, we didn't even talk about uh, the Section 31 stuff. I don't really think oh, it's so unimportant, isn't it? Yeah. I'm surprised they well, come back. Well, uh, the, only, the only thing that I found interesting about it was um, after the scene where the shadowy Section 31 guy is like, if I tell you this, does that mean you're back in? And he's like, and Reed's like, um, and they cut away. The scene where Hoshi's looking at the communicators and Reed comes over and goes, eh, what's, uh, what's going on over here? Yeah. And Hoshi's like, I don't know. I'm just, something's up with this. And he's like, oh, okay, uh, carry on. Then he kind of walks away. I was like, oh, is he, Yeah. is he doing something sneaky? But I guess that's not the case. Not being sneaky. I was surprised that when the, when Section 31 told him about Terra Prime, Reed was like, I know Terra Prime. It's like why? Why are we having this conversation with this guy if this is not some sort of revelation? That, that my from? my older military father watches their TV show all day. I know what Terra Prime is. <laughs> he's a big fan of the John Burke Society, and he's a big fan of Terra Prime. Um, he keeps buying these awful pillows and giving it to us for Christmas too. I guess that's it. We will wrap it up. I'm just looking at my final notes here. I think we did all this stuff. Travis, Saxon, the shuttle pod. We did it. All right, we're over. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. The best way to support us is to go there, patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You get extra podcasts. We do Star Trek revisits. We do random sci-fi movies. Clay and Amanda have their continuing rotten horror picture show stuff. They just finished uh, Friday the 13th. They did all 12 movies in that series. There's a hundred plus podcast on patreon.com slash the Penske file. Support the show. Make it your New Year's resolution. Thank you, everybody who does support the show, especially our Captain Tier supporters, who include Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Andrew Cherlog, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Christian Poucher, and Howells, Matt Cutler, Michael Pond, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell O, Stephen Minton, HH28, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jake123, Point Extra G, Patrick Seabit, Nick the Rat, Dave Davies, Grapple John Zorn, Captain Brazen, Eric Santron, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, William Seisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Retail, Disbrada, Tom Higgy, Edmark Starr, Jose Hunter Z, WNF Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, James McLennan, Beal, Jonas, Tommy Tango, <coughs> and Two Weeks Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, Chase Jackson, Matt Burke, and Rage for the Machine. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting us. So now, 
We go to patron thoughts. If you're a $5 and up patron, you can leave your thoughts on upcoming episodes. We read them. There are only four for demons. Kyle Barrett says, excuse me, let me blow my nose here. There we go. All right, we're good. Exercise my own demons. Kyle Barrett says, demons, I think this is the best (laughs) enterprise has ever done politics because it's grounded in the era the show was produced. And yet... Sadly, timeless and applicable to so much sense. It comments on the sentiments of the time, but also if the script was left completely the same and produced at some point in the last five years, I'm sure some people would be complaining about how modern and timely it feels with the Make Earth Great Again message and travel ban. However, I think the major element it nails is that the guy so concerned with Earth's future doesn't actually live there, which speaks for how in UK politics all these Scottish expats are currently debating whether there needs to be another independence referendum, despite the fact they haven't lived in the country for decades. Peter Weller is great as human to Kuvma, but the episode also features some cool, oh, it's that guy guest stars, like that guy from the scariest jump scare ever in Mulholland Drive, and that black guy with the name of a Polish Jew in Jason X. Mayweather makes his quarters smell like Thai food with the most 2005-looking woman I've ever seen, and there's been so much post-sex sweat in these past few episodes that I feel the urge to shower after watching. Four out of five. Man, Kyle getting spicy towards the end of the season here. <laughs> is he like Is he like 60? Is Kyle like 60? Because he... <laughs> he feel, that's, that seems like a, an a, uh, AARP rant about the end of Enterprise. <laughs> You get it in the mail. You can't help but be influenced by it. Matt Ross says, Demons, the idea here is interesting, but it should have been a season one episode or even a season two showing an Earth repairing itself after numerous world wars dealing with Vulcan Aryans. Angry Archer meets a politician that seems to be at the center of something, but it's not clear who or what the heck he is exactly. Reed visiting Section 31 is very suspicious. Just look at that fake city behind him. The sets were terrible in this. I didn't like the conference room set, and I didn't like the Section 31 meets on a dock set. Those are pretty bad. So the plan to infiltrate the anti-alien group on the moon is to take the two people who were used to make a who were used to make a hybrid, specifically the alien. Gee, what could go wrong? At least Travis got laid, even if it's very talky broadcast TV sex. Three Robocop art history teachers out of five. Those doc sequences with Reed and the Section 31 guy were visually baffling to me mm. because it was very dark. They did the thing where like the streets are all wet. So you get like light shining off the streets. There's fog coming out of like trash cans and shit. And then there's also like a blue <laughs> filter on everything yeah. that makes it look like they didn't develop the film right or something. Or it's from it's a nighttime sequence from 1921. They really had to hide the fact that that set looked like garbage. They did. They threw every visual trick they could. They're like more fog, more water, more blue. And this is what we ended mm-hmm. up with. Grappla John Zorn says, I appreciate it's called the it's called the it's on on uh what's it uh Final Cut Pro, it's the Ridley Scott pack. That's right. Those plugins will always save the day. Grappla John Zorn says, I appreciate that these episodes have something to say, but I can't get over trip somehow, thinking DePaul was trying to anchor baby him. Was DePaul wearing puffy winter coats for the past season and I missed it? If anything, she should be accusing him of getting knocked up again. Seriously, what the fuck? Did the writers get a last minute memo minute memo? Uh, yeah, they can have a baby, but they can't have made it themselves. Fix it in ADR. Rubric definition of a two. Final comment. That would have been really funny if T'Pol was like, I haven't been pregnant. Have you been pregnant? Not since that time. Not since that alien time. Brandon Howell says, Demons, a valid idea, poorly executed. We know straight away who the bad guys are, and Section 31 shows up as well. Whose bright idea was it to send Tripp and T'Pol to the Orpheus mining facility without even disguising them? Oh, well, at least Travis gets laid. I'd rather listen to Tom Lehrer's song, National Brotherhood Week, than watch this. A reluctant three blasts of Verderon energy out of five. Like she patrons. didn't even change her ears. <laughs> no. Like, they get, they send them to the place where the secret anti-alien racist group is operating from, and they're like, yeah, don't, don't put on a hat or anything. She had to wear a hat in 1940s Pennsylvania, but she doesn't have to wear one there. To be fair, there's some other alien because when that guy, when Trip meets that guy who's playing him, he's like, "Look at look at this, look at this guy over here." And there's some alien putzing around. Down oh, there, that's so. true. That is a good point. But it is. Uh, I think Matt Ross brought up the, the point of like the two people who have the baby are the ones that are sent down there, which is just uh, asking for trouble. Thank you, patrons, for your comments. Thank you for supporting the show. We'll be too late for the next comments, but I'll put some stuff up there on Discord. Six weeks ago, I've put up stuff so that people have some final comments about the next one and then the finale. So good luck with all that. 
Clay, on our scale of one to five, what do you give demons? Mm, it's really tough. Um, I want to give it a four for idea, but I but I have to give it a three for execution. I think. Yeah. I <coughs> excuse me. I think I'm even lower. I I think that I think I have to give this a two, and I feel bad about it, kind of. But yeah, it's it's really a, it's a really enterprisey episode. You know, it's like mm. it's got these things going on that I'm like, I wish this this would be a cool idea. Maybe they should do something with this. It's like, oh, this is kind of underbaked and not really all that that interesting. It's got your typical mm. action sequence at the end where they're chasing the mining thing. There's, it's a cool sequence because it's not Archer chasing someone down a hallway, but it's, it's still it's like a chase sequence at the end. It devolves into Terra Prime just getting a Death Star weapon, and it's like, ah, I don't right. know about that. Yeah. And the Trip into Paul stuff is weird. I, I feel like this is four different storylines where I'm like, oh, this could have been interesting, but all of them are somewhat right. badly executed. Right. Yeah, So it's a two for me, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. Didn't yeah, hate I'm it though. I didn't hate watching. It. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like there, there was enough stuff in it for me to go. Oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, the, I think they don't go anywhere with it, unfortunately. But I want to, I want to give it a, a low three for for uh, ambition. Sure. But uh, you know, do you think that there's a chance that the second part is better than the setup? I think that's very unlikely to me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll be really interested to see what the second part is because I feel like a lot of these this season have been, all right, the next part starts and it's like half about something else until they wrap yeah. up what the, the story they set up with. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I think also because I've got literally zero idea of where it goes how is and it I not a commando raid on mars way. i guess right that's what it's got to be they have to right. they have to yeah. they have to just attack the base and then the baby has to be dealt with and paxton has to monologue about his stuff we'll see do they even have to like is it really going to be like logistically it should be okay archer fly to mars and blow that place up no, he, I think even, he's already there. He chased the ship, so he should just shoot it with photon torpedoes, yeah. and then that's the end of it. I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I guess so. Is it going to be? Well, Tip, Trip, and T'Pol are down there, so we can't blow it up. And no. also, should we blow up them up because they haven't technically really done anything? Done yet? anything? <laughs> just fired a warning shot at know. the moon. <clears throat> yeah, I just. I, I thought he was going to write his name into the moon, like. Uh, Chairface Chippendale from Tick, and then only get CH in. <laughs> I think it's he ends up in a really indefensible position, Paxton, at the end of this, in both like a storytelling yeah. and like a literal sense that he has no defense there. I don't really understand what he thinks he's yeah. going to do, and it's just there's no. He's lost his point again. Just to repeat my point, he's he's lost his Terra Prime point. He's threatening Earth. I don't really understand what how he can do that at this point or just to have archie go you won't shoot it you love earth and he goes damn you jonathan you've seen through my plot like that's the only <laughs> other way about it he hands him a flower and he's like remember remember what you're destroying you love flowers she has him you a picture she has him a picture of a white blonde blue-eyed area and he's just like you can't do this to earth <laughs> look, look what's down there he's like you're right you're right human genetic perfection is down there all right. Hair that shines like the snow <laughs> and eyes like the bluest sky. They sunburn. They sunburn. Just the redheads. I'll just destroy the redheads. Just destroys Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske Pal if you want to support the show. I give it a two. Clay gives it a three. Clay, we're almost done with this stuff. We'll have more to say. I, I don't want to talk too much. I, I don't need all five episodes of the final stretch to be talking about how it's ending, but it is ending. We'll see you next week about the uh, the final regular episode, and then we have the finale. But do you have anything else you want to say? Um, Keep checking out Rotten Horror Picture Show. Uh, badass. I don't know what week this is, but we either will have a new episode coming out or just had one come out. 
Mm. Um, that's uh, me and Sean doing our recap of the series and talking a bit about what we're going to do next. And uh, this year on Patreon, Amanda and I are doing Stephen King adaptations, the ones that are not on our main list. First so one might like, already be uh, out, dark. so you can probably plug that. Yeah. What the first one is. Yeah. The first one is It Part 2, the most recent uh, iteration of It, uh, because we did Part 1 on the main show, and we're going to bookend the year by doing the 1990 version, and we wanted to have a complete understanding of both versions, because inevitably we're going to compare them and contrast them and whatnot. Um, but yeah, then my book is out. It's called Bloody Hell. You can get it from your local comic book store, or the best route is probably to go through the publisher, which is A Wave Blue World. You go to their website, and you'll be able to find it pretty easily. So thank you guys for the support. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. We're almost done with Enterprise. It's been a long road, as they say. We got one Peter Weller episode left. We'll be back next week with Terra Prime and then the finale. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you later.